Welcome to Found in Space, a science podcast for kids and teens. Lee would like to know, why did Pluto get kicked out of the solar system? So Lee, this is a great question. I've actually heard this question a lot from many, many different learners. And there's another variation of it that I'm going to go ahead and put out there, which is why isn't Pluto a planet anymore? Now, I love this topic. This is a big passion of mine. So my field is actually planetary science. Now in the space sciences, there's lots of different kinds of space science. Some people study stars, some people study black holes, some people study galaxies, and other people study planets. So we're going to start by giving the short answer to this question, and then we'll use the rest of the episode to explain why. So the short answer to this is, well, Pluto's still in the solar system. Pluto did not get kicked out of the solar system. And from the perspective of planetary science, Pluto is a planet. So let's talk about that. What does that really mean and why? So let's start with, okay, well, what's a planet? How did we even discover planets? Now you might be going, well, Arwen, you just walk outside and you can see them at night. So that's true. So humans can see some planets just with our naked eyes. And as we've gotten telescopes and better and better technology, we've been able to see more and more planets. But if we go back, way back in time and think about what did our ancestors know about planets? Well, different cultures all over the world have had different stories about what the things we see in the sky are. Now in Western tradition, Western European tradition, there, the idea of what was in the sky, well, there were stars. And there were two different kinds of stars that we could see. There were the fixed stars, which is what you and I today would think of as a star. And we called them fixed because relative to each other, it didn't seem like they moved. So yes, it looked like as the night went on, they moved across the sky. But to each other, they moved they moved with each other. So for instance, if you go outside and you see Orion's belt, those three stars in a row, it may look like they rise and set throughout the night, but they'll always look like they're the same distance apart from each other. So those were the fixed stars. But then we also saw these objects that looked like the other stars, but maybe they were a little brighter or their color was a little bit different and they seemed to move. Now, not over one night. You look up in the sky and, well, there's Mars, right? You see this bright red star and maybe it's in the constellation of Taurus. You look up and it's right there next to say, you know, Aldebaran. Well, then the next night, the night after that, be in a slightly different spot. And over the whole year, you could watch it move across the sky. And so we called these the wandering stars. They were the fixed and the wandering stars. And the word planet actually comes from the Greek word for wanderer. It's the same word that we get 
plankton from? Plankton are the little tiny living things, little organisms in the water that are the base of the food web in the water. So planets and plankton. Now, these objects, again, different cultures had different stories about them, but the Greeks gave them the names of their gods. And then the Romans inherited a lot from Greek mythology. And then Romans gave a lot of that to Europe. And so that's where we get the names for the planets today, at least the ones that we can see. So Mars is red in color. So it was named after the god of war because it kind of looked like blood. And Venus is named after the god of love and beauty. It's this very bright, beautiful star that, well, planet, but a star from, from our old perspective that would appear right at sunset or sunrise. So that's why it's sometimes it's called the morning star. Okay, but let's fast forward all the way to the 1600s, early 1600s, and there was a new tool invented. And this tool is the telescope. So telescopes, they were used at first mostly for spotting other ships at sea, but there was a very special scientist who you might have heard of, Galileo Galilei, and he actually pointed it up into the heavens. So up until that point, all the studying that we had done of the sky had been done with just the naked human eye, just what we could see. And he did a lot of amazing things with it. One of the things that was happening at the time in Europe within the field of science was this big debate about was the sun going around Earth or was Earth going around the sun? And Galileo was in the camp that believed that the Earth was actually going around the sun. And that's what we understand today. And some of what he did with telescopes helped us to get the evidence to support that idea, because it's not a very intuitive, an idea that comes easily to us. Because when you walk outside and you look at the sky, it really does look like the sun is going around us. Now, today we understand that, no, that's actually because the earth is spinning, right? It's not that the sun's going around us. But anyways, he did some amazing things and he pointed his telescope at Jupiter. And what he saw was these little points of light that seemed to be going around Jupiter. Each night he'd look back and they'd be in a slightly different spot. He saw these four different points of light. And today we call those the Galilean moons. He saw four planets actually orbiting around Jupiter. And he called them, this is when the way that we use the word planet was, was coined. He called them planets. Now he also looked at the moon and there was a lot of debate about what the nature of the moon was at the time, but he saw that the moon has mountains and craters. And he looked at the line between the, the day and night on the moon that we call it the terminator. So between the light and the dark, and he could see shadows in the craters. And he had the realization, wow, it's another planet. And that's when we could say that planetary science was born, but it wasn't really until the 
middle of last century when we started getting missions that could actually visit planets and started getting real big telescopes, things like that in the 1960s and 70s, that planetary science came into its own. And there, be, there were people who started studying planets and studying them as places, as objects, rather than just points of light in the sky and in the, in the distance. Now, in science, scientists will talk to each other and communicate their ideas in different ways. And one way is through papers. So journal articles. Now a journal is like a magazine that has reports that scientists write about what they do. And it's really hard to get into one of these magazines. You can't just send it off and have it get published. It has to be looked at by other scientists and they look at your work and they make sure that everything that you did was correct and that you didn't make any silly mistakes or anything like that. That's what it's called to be peer reviewed. And so it's looked at by the peers, by the other scientists before they publish it. So that's the top kind of best level we talk about is peer reviewed research. Now we also have conferences that we go to. So we'll have a conference where we meet up with lots of other scientists and we give talks and posters and presentations about the research that we are doing. So the way that planetary scientists have used the word planet has been fairly consistent, meaning the same, for hundreds of years since Galileo. And there's this very interesting thing that happens where sometimes scientists will figure things out and it takes a while for that knowledge to go from the scientists to the general public. So for instance, we were talking about the idea of does the earth go around the sun or the sun around earth? Well, after Galileo, it only took a few decades. So decades, about 10 years, just a few tens of years before most scientists had accepted the idea that earth goes around the sun but it took almost another 200 years before that was the common belief with the public. So it also took a long time for the public to learn about planets, about other planets, what do we know about them, the ones that we were discovering. So the way that most people learned about planets wasn't directly from scientists. It wasn't like today where you can watch documentaries or you can listen to podcasts like this and learn right from the scientists. It took a while for it to get to most people. And hundreds of years ago, most people didn't read either. But some people started to learn to read and the type of book that they learned about planets from was a type of book called an almanac. So almanacs are like, they're sort of like a calendar for the future. And these were created by astrologists. So astrology sounds like astronomy, doesn't it? But astrology is actually not a science. It's more like a, a mystical belief that people have, and there's different versions of it, that somehow the positions, the places where stars and planets are, are going to affect the destiny and the fate of human beings. So it's kind of a way for future and fortune telling. You might have heard of 
horoscopes or what your zodiac sign is for what month you were born and things like that. So it, it sort of sounds a little bit scientific, but it's not based in science at all. It just uses the names of planets and stars and astronomy uses the name, that's the science, right? That uses the names too, but astronomy is about studying those things. So the astrologists are the way that most of the public learned about what a planet was. And they kind of simplified the whole story a little bit because planetary scientists kept finding more and more and more planets and it was too much to keep track of. So they limited it down to main planets and then they stopped counting the secondary or the moons that were planets as well. Like the Galilean moons we talked about are our moon. Planetary scientists, we've always considered those to be planets because they fit two things which is what today most planetary scientists say that a planet needs to be. It needs to be so massive, made of so much stuff, that its own gravity pulls it into a ball shape. So is it a giant ball in space? Okay, check. But it can't be so massive that it becomes a star or was a star at some point in its life. So if it fuses, it's not a planet. And that's what most of us consider to be a planet. So that means the moon's a planet. That means Jupiter's a planet. That means... Venus is, but so is Io and Titan, and yes, even Pluto. Now there's different kinds of planets, right? There are really big planets we might call gas giants, or there are small rocky planets we might call terrestrial Earth-like planets. And there are very small planets that we call dwarf planets because they're planets, but they're small. Now, let's go back to the beginning here because something happened in 2006 that changed a lot of the public's opinion about what a planet is, but it didn't really change the way science, planetary scientists, that is, talk about what a planet is. So there's an organization called the IAU, or the International Astronomical Union, and this is an organization of astronomers, mostly stellar astronomers, so stellar means star, so people who study stars, but there are other kinds of, of astronomers as well, people who study galaxies, people who are cosmologists, things like that as well. But there aren't a lot of planetary scientists in the IAU in general. Now, their job has been to give things names so that people don't get confused. So let's say I discover a comet, and then two weeks later you discover a comet, but we call that those comets that it's the same comet but we call it by different names well then we could get confused on what comet we're talking about so the iu gives it a name and then everybody knows what it what what it's what it is now something was happening in the early 2000s and that was that we started discovering lots and lots of dwarf planets these little planets and we were finding them far out in the solar system in an area that we call the kuiper belt now, we hadn't discovered any major planets since all the way back since Pluto, which we discovered in 1930. So it had been almost a century since we had discovered them. Now, the major, the big primary planets, ones that go around the sun that aren't going around another planet, so not the planets that are moons, we'd usually give those Roman and one exception, Greek name as well. But all of a sudden, there were all of these new planets being found. And so they had a problem of, oh, well, what are we going to call these objects? We've got to give them a name. So 
at one of their meetings, they voted on a definition for what a planet is. Now, here's the thing. The definition wasn't actually created by the people who study planets. It was created mostly, there's a, you can look up the, the panel of people who created it, but historians and there was other astronomers and they came up with this definition. And one of the things that they wanted to do was make a definition that would make sense to the public. But remember the public's idea of a planet isn't the same thing as the scientist is the planetary scientist's idea. So they came up with this idea and they said three things that a planet has to do for them to call it a planet. They said it has to orbit the sun, only the sun, no other star counts. They said that it's got to be round and everybody kind of agrees on that. Nobody's, nobody's arguing about that. And the third one they said is that it has to clear its orbit. Now, that's not a very clear definition, what exactly that means. And scientists could interpret that in different ways to clear its orbit. So in the most literal, strict interpretation, there aren't any planets in our system that clear their orbits. Now, in a little bit more of a generous interpretation, then we could say, yeah, maybe some of them do. But if you take Earth and you put it in a different orbit in our solar system, it wouldn't clear its orbit anymore. So right away after this, this vote was made, and there were only a few hundred people voting and it was a split vote. So a lot of people didn't like the idea. Some people did. But remember, there weren't many planetary scientists involved. There was a big petition after this that went about between planetary scientists and said, hey, we don't agree with this definition. It doesn't make any sense. It's not a useful definition and we're not going to use it. And they haven't. That definition that the IAU put out that excludes Pluto and the moon and things like that from being a planet has been ignored by the planetary science community. We simply don't use it. Now, it gets taught in textbooks. It gets put in to documentaries and it gets published all over the place, but it doesn't reflect how the science is actually done. We don't use it in our peer reviewed journals and we don't use it in our conferences. We continue to call Pluto a planet and we continue to call the moon and Io and other things like that. So this is just one of those really, really interesting places where there's a disconnect between a disconnect, meaning there's a different way that planetary scientists talk about uh, the term and what a planet means and what the public thinks. So this was a little bit of a longer episode, but it was a really, really important one to talk about. So you may hear people talk about the IAU's definition, and you may hear people talk about the definition that planetary scientists use, which by the way, is called the geophysical planet definition. And now you've got a little bit of a background to understand what the difference between those two are. So in the geophysical, we don't care where an object is. We just care what it is. Is it big enough that it's round? <laughs> and is it not a star? Then yes, we call it a planet. And there's all kinds of amazing planets. So coming up, we're going to talk more about some of the different kinds of planets. So there's an amazing number of planets. And of course, there's all those planets out there around other stars, which by the IAU's definition wouldn't count as planet. But according to us planetary scientists, yeah, those are planets. So Lee, this was a great question. Thank you so much for bringing it up so that we could talk
talk about it, asking it to us. I know this was a, a long episode, but definitely worth it. So if you have any questions that you would like answered here on the podcast, please have your folks send it in to the email address in the description. And I hope that you all have dark skies and that you stay curious. Keep those wonderful questions going.